Chapter 8 of The Chimney Corner by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Bonita Springs, Florida. Chapter 8 How Shall We Be Amused? One, two, three, four. This makes the fifth accident on the 4th of July in the two papers I have just read, said Jenny. A very moderate allowance, said Theophilus Thoreau. If you consider the 4th as a great national Saturnalia, in which every boy in the land has the privilege of doing whatever is right in his own eyes. The poor boys, said Mrs. Crowfield, all the troubles of the world are laid at their door. Well, said Jenny, they did burn the city of Portland, it appears. The fire rose from firecrackers thrown by boys among the shavings of a carpenter's shop. So says the paper. And, said Rudolph, we surgeons expect a harvest of business from the fourth as surely as from a battle. Certain to be woundings, fractures, possibly amputations, following the proceedings of our glorious festival. Why cannot we Americans learn to amuse ourselves peaceably like other nations, said Bob Stevens. In France and Italy, the greatest national festivals pass off without fatal accident or danger to anyone. The fact is, in our country we have not learned how to be amused. Amusement has been made of so small account in our philosophy of life that we are raw and unpractised in being amused. Our diversions, compared with those of the politer nations of Europe, are coarse and savage, and consist mainly in making disagreeable noises and disturbing the peace of the community by rude uproar. The only idea an American boy associates with the Fourth of July is that of gunpowder in some form, and a wild liberty to fire off pistols in all miscellaneous directions and to throw firecrackers under the heels of horses and into crowds of women and children for the fun of seeing the stir and commotion thus produced now take a young parisian boy and give him a fit and he conducts himself with greater gentleness and good breeding because he is part of a community in which the art of amusement has been refined and perfected so that he has a thousand resources beyond the very obvious one of making a great banging and disturbance yes continued bob stevens the fact is that our grim old puritan fathers set their feet down resolutely on all forms of amusement they would have stopped the lambs from wagging their tails and shot the birds for singing if they could have had their way and in consequence of it what a barren cold flowerless life is our new england existence life is all as montalini said one derned horrid grind nothing here but working and going to church said the german immigrants and they were about right a french traveller in the year eighteen thirty seven says that attending the thursday meeting lectures and church prayer meetings was the only recreation of the young people of boston and we can remember the time when this really was no exaggeration. Think of that, with all the seriousness of our Boston East winds to give it force, and fancy the provision for amusement in our society. 
the consequence is that boys who have the longing for amusement strongest within them and plenty of combativeness to back it are the standing terror of good society and our fourth of july is a day of fear to all invalids and persons of delicate nervous organization and of real appreciable danger of life and limb to every one well robert said my wife though i agree with you as to the actual state of society in this respect i must enter my protest against your slur on the memory of our pilgrim fathers yes said theophilus thoreau the new englanders are the only people i believe who take delight in vilifying their ancestry every young hopeful in our day makes a target of his grandfather's gravestone and fires away with great self-applause people in general seem to like to show that they are well-born and come of good stock but the young new englanders many of them appear to take pleasure in insisting that they come of a race of narrow-minded persecuting bigots it is true that our puritan fathers saw not everything they made a state where there were no amusements but where people could go to bed and leave their house doors wide open all night without a shadow of fear or danger as was for years the custom in all our country villages the fact is that the simple early new england life before we began to import foreigners realized a state of society in whose possibility europe could scarcely believe if our fathers had few amusements they needed few life was too really and solidly comfortable and happy to need much amusement look over the countries where people are most sedulously amused by their rulers and governors are they not the countries where the people are most oppressed most unhappy in their circumstances and therefore in greatest need of amusement it is the slave who dances and sings and why because he owns nothing and can own nothing and may as well dance and forget the fact but give the slave a farm of his own a wife of his own and children of his own with a schoolhouse and a vote and ten to one he dances no more he needs no amusement because he is happy the legislators of europe wish nothing more than to bring up a people who would be content with amusements and not ask after their rights or think too closely how they were governed gild the dome of the invalides was napoleon's scornful prescription when he heard the parisian population were discontented they gilded it and the people forgot to talk about anything else they were a childish race educated from the cradle on spectacle and show and by the sight of their eyes could they be governed the people of boston in seventeen seventy six could not have been managed in this way chiefly because they were brought up in the strict schools of the fathers but don't you think said jenny that something might be added and amended in the state of society our fathers established here in new england without becoming frivolous there might be more attention paid to rational amusement certainly said my wife the state and the church both might take a lesson from the providence of foreign governments and make liberty to say the least as attractive as despotism it is a very unwise mother that does not provide her children with playthings and yet said bob 
the only thing that the church has yet done is to forbid and to frown we have abundance of tracts against dancing whist-playing nine-pins billiards operas theatres in short anything that young people would be apt to like the general assembly of the presbyterian church refused to testify against slavery because of political diffidence but made up for it by ordering a more stringent crusade against dancing the theatre and opera grow up and exist among us like plants on the windy side of a hill blown all awry by a constant blast of conscientious rebuke there is really no amusement young people are fond of which they do not pursue and in a sort of defiance of the frown of the peculiarly religious world with all the telling of what the young shall not do there has been very little telling what they shall do the whole department of amusements certainly one of the most important in education has been by the church made a sort of outlaw's ground to be taken possession of and held by all sorts of spiritual ragamuffins and then the faults and shortcomings resulting from this arrangement have been held up and insisted on as reasons why no christians should ever venture into it if the church would set itself to amuse her young folks instead of discussing doctrines and metaphysical hair-splitting she would prove herself a true mother and not a hard-visaged stepdame let her keep this department so powerful and so difficult to manage in what are morally the strongest hands instead of giving it up to the weakest i think if the different churches of a city for example would rent a building where there should be a billiard-table one or two nine-pin alleys a reading-room a garden and grounds for ball-playing or innocent lounging that they would do more to keep their young people from the ways of sin than a sunday school could nay more i would go further i would have a portion of the building fitted up with scenery and a stage for the getting up of tableau or dramatic performances and thus give scope for the exercise of that histrionic talent of which there is so much lying unemployed in society young people do not like amusements any better for their wickedness connected with them the spectacle of a sweet little child singing hymns and repeating prayers of a pious old uncle tom dying for his religion has filled theatres night after night and proved that there really is no need of indecent or improper plays to draw full houses the things that draw young people to places of amusement are not at first gross things take the most notorious public place in paris the jardin mabile for instance and the things which give it its first charm are all innocent and artistic exquisite beds of lilies roses gilly flowers lighted with jets of gas so artfully as to make every flower translucent as a gem fountains where the gaslight streams out from behind misty wreaths of falling water and calla blossoms sofas of velvet turf canopied with fragrant honeysuckle dim bowers overarched with lilacs and roses a dancing ground under the trees whose branches bend with a fruitage of many-coloured lamps enchanting music and graceful motion in all these there is not only no sin but they are really beautiful and desirable and if they were only used on the side and in the service of virtue and religion 
if they were contrived and kept up by the guardians and instructors of youth, instead of by those whose interest it is to demoralize and destroy, young people would have no temptation to stray into the haunts of vice. In Prussia, under the reign of Frederick William II, when one good, hard-handed man governed the whole country like a strict schoolmaster, the public amusements for the people were made such as to present a model for all states. The theatres were strictly supervised, and actors obliged to conform to the rules of decorum and morality. The plays and performances were under the immediate supervision of men of grave morals who allowed nothing corrupting to appear and the effect of this administration and restraint is to be seen in berlin even to this day the public gardens are full of charming little resorts where every afternoon for a very moderate sum one can have either a concert of good music or a very fair dramatic or operatic performance here whole families may be seen enjoying together a wholesome and refreshing entertainment the mother and aunts with their knitting the baby, the children of all ages, and the father, their faces radiant with that mild German light of contentment and goodwill, which one feels to be characteristic of the nation. When I saw these things, and thought of our own outcast, unprovided boys and young men, haunting the streets and alleys of cities, in places far from the companionship of mothers and sisters, I felt as if it would be better for a nation to be brought up by a good strict schoolmaster king than to try to be a republic. Yes, said I, but the difficulty is to get the good schoolmaster king. For one good shepherd there are twenty who use the sheep only for their flesh and their wool. Republics can do all that kings can. Witness our late army and sanitary commission once fixed the idea thoroughly in the public mind that there ought to be as regular and careful provisions for public amusement as there is for going to church and sunday school and it will be done central park in new york is a beginning in the right direction and brooklyn is following the example of her sister city there is moreover an indication of the proper spirit in the increased efforts that are made to beautify sunday school rooms and make them interesting and to have sunday school fetes and picnics the most harmless and commendable way of celebrating the fourth of july why should saloons and bar-rooms be made attractive by fine paintings choice music flowers and fountains and sunday school rooms before bare walls there are churches whose broad aisles represent ten and twenty millions of dollars, and whose sons and daughters are daily drawn to circuses, operas, theatres, because they have tastes and feelings in themselves, perfectly laudable and innocent, for the gratification of which no provision is made in any other place. I know one church, said Rudolph, whose Sunday schoolroom is as beautifully adorned as any haunt of sin. There is a fountain in the center, which plays into a basin surrounded with shells and flowers. It has a small organ to lead the children's voices, and the walls are hung with oil paintings and engravings from the best masters. The festivals of the Sabbath school, which are from time to time held in this place, educate the taste of the children as well as amuse them. And, above all, they have through life 
the advantage of associating with their early religious education all those ideas of taste elegance and artistic culture which too often come through polluted channels when the amusement of the young shall become the care of the experienced and the wise and the floods of wealth that are now rolling over and over in silent investments shall be put into the form of innocent and refined pleasures for the children and the youth of our state our national festivals may become days to be desired and not dreaded on the fourth of july our city fathers do in a certain dim wise perceive that the public owes some attempt at amusement to its children and they vote large sums principally expended in bell-ringing cannons and fireworks the sidewalks are witness to the number who fall victims to the temptations held out by grog shops and saloons and the papers for weeks after are crowded with accounts of accidents now a yearly sum expended to keep up and keep pure places of amusement which hold out no temptations to vice but which excel all vicious places in real beauty and attractiveness would greatly lessen the sum needed to be expended on one particular day and would refine and prepare our people to keep holidays and festivals appropriately for my part said mrs crowfield i am grieved at the opprobrium which falls on the race of boys why should the most critical ear in the life of those who are to be men and to govern society be passed in a sort of outlawry a rude warfare with all existing institutions the years between ten and twenty are full of the nervous excitability which marks the growth and maturing of the manly nature the boy feels wild impulses which ought to be vented in legitimate and helpful exercise he wants to run shout wrestle ride row skate and all these together are often not sufficient to relieve the need he feels of throwing off the excitability that burns within for the wants of this period what safe provision is made by the church or by the state or any of the boys lawful educators in all the prussian schools amusements are as much a part of the regular school system as grammar or geography the teacher is with the boys on the playground and plays as heartily as any of them the boy has his physical wants anticipated he is not left to fight his way blindly stumbling against society but goes forward in a safe path which his elders and betters have marked out for him in our country the boy's career is often a series of skirmishes with society he wants to skate and contrives ingeniously to dam the course of a brook and flood a meadow which makes a splendid skating ground great is the joy for a season and great the skating but the water floods the neighboring cellars the boys are cursed through all the moods and tenses boys are such a plague the dam is torn down with emphasis and execration the boys however lie in wait some cold night between twelve and one and build it up again and thus goes on the battle the boys care not whose cellar they flood because nobody cares for their amusement they understand themselves to be outlaws and to take an outlaw's advantage again the boys have their sleds and sliding down hill is splendid fun 
but they trip into some grave citizen who sprains his shoulder what is the result not the provision of a safe good place where the boys may slide down the hill without danger to anyone but an edict forbidding all sliding under penalty of fine boys want to swim it is best that they should swim and if city fathers foreseeing and caring for this want should think it worth while to mark off some good place and have it under such police surveillance as to enforce decency of language and demeanour they would prevent a great deal that now is disagreeable in the unguided efforts of boys to enjoy this luxury it would be cheaper in the end even if one had to build sliding piles as they do in russia or to build skating rinks as they do in montreal it would be cheaper for every city town and village to provide legitimate amusement for boys under proper superintendence than to leave them as they are now left to fight their way against society in the boys academies of our country what provision is made for amusement there are stringent rules and any number of them to prevent boys making any noise that may disturb the neighbors and generally the teacher thinks that if he keeps the boys still and sees that they get their lessons his duty is done but a hundred boys ought not to be kept still there ought to be noise and motion among them in order that they may healthily survive the great changes which nature is working within them if they become silent averse to movement fond of indoor lounging and warm rooms they are going to be in far worse ways than any amount of outward lawlessness could bring them to smoking and yellow-covered novels are worse than any amount of hullabaloo and the quietest boy is often a poor ignorant victim whose life is being drained out of him before it is well begun if mothers could only see the series of books that are sold behind counters to boarding-school boys whom nobody warns and nobody cares for if they could see the poison going from pillow to pillow in books pretending to make clear the great sacred mysteries of our nature but trailing them over with the filth of utter corruption these horrible works are the inward and sacred channel of hell into which a boy is thrust by the pressure of strict outward rules forbidding that physical and out-of-door exercise and motion to which he ought rather to be encouraged and even driven it is melancholy to see that while parents teachers and churches make no provision for boys in the way of amusement the world the flesh and the devil are incessantly busy and active in giving it to them there are nine-pin alleys with cigars and a bar there are billiard saloons with a bar and alas with the occasional company of girls who are still beautiful but who have lost the innocence of womanhood while yet retaining many of its charms there are theatres with a bar and with the society of lost women the boy comes to one in all of these places seeking only what is natural and proper he should have what should be given him under the eye and by the care of the church and school he comes for exercise and amusement he gets these and a ticket to destruction besides and whose fault is it these are the aspects of public life said i which makes me feel 
that we never shall have a perfect state till women vote and bear rule equally with men. State housekeeping has been hitherto, like what any housekeeping would be, conducted by the voice and knowledge of man alone. If women had an equal voice in the management of our public money, I have faith to believe that thousands which are now wasted in mere political charlatanism would go to provide for the rearing of the children of the state, male and female. My wife has spoken for the boys. I speak for the girls also. What is provided for their physical development and amusement? Hot, gaslighted, theatric and operatic performances, beginning at eight and ending at midnight? hot crowded parties and balls dancing with dresses tightly laced over the laboring lungs these are almost the whole story i bless the advent of croquet and skating and yet the latter exercise pursued as it generally is is a most terrible exposure there is no kindly parental provision for the poor thoughtless delicate young creature not even the shelter of a dressing-room with a fire at which she may warm her numb fingers and put on her skates when she arrives on the ground and to which she may retreat in intervals of fatigue so she catches cold and perhaps sows the seed which with air-tight stoves and other appliances of hothouse culture may ripen into consumption what provision is there for the amusement of all the shop-girls seamstresses factory-girls that crowd our cities what for the thousands of young clerks and operatives? Not long since, in a respectable old town in New England, the body of a beautiful girl was drawn from the river in which she had drowned herself. A young girl, only fifteen, who came to the city far from home and parents, and fell victim to the temptation which brought her to shame and desperation. Many thus fall every year who are never counted they fall into the ranks of those whom the world abandons as irreclaimable. Let those who have homes and every appliance to make life pass agreeably, and who yet yawn over an unoccupied evening, fancy a lively young girl all day cooped up sewing in a close, ill-ventilated room. Evening comes, and she has three times the desire for amusement and three times the need of it that her fashionable sister has and where can she go to the theatre perhaps with some young man as thoughtless as herself and more depraved then to the bar for a glass of wine and another and then with a head swimming and turning who shall say where else she may be led past midnight and no one to look after her and one night ruins her utterly for life and she as yet only a child john newton had a very wise saying here is a man trying to fill a bushel with chaff now if i fill it with wheat first it is better than to fight him this apothegm contains in it the whole of what i would say on the subject of amusements end of chapter eight how shall we be amused